You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. Every time I teach the Word of God, if I'm teaching the truth, I'm prophesying. Every time you share the Word of God in truth, you're prophesying. Go back to the first list in Romans 12. It's there because I believe we have control over those gifts. I have control in the sense that if I'm a gifted teacher, it doesn't mean I just stand up here and say, Holy Spirit, just fill me and let me say what you want me to say. No, I got to study. I got to prepare. Nevertheless, it's a gift of the Holy Spirit to be able to teach the Word of God. The Holy Spirit was given to help guide believers in the way of Jesus Christ, to learn to live and love as He did. In today's message with Pastor Danny, you'll learn about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. One of those gifts is the gift of prophecy. Now this gift can seem confusing, especially since it's used in different ways. But be encouraged and know that God uses it for good. One of those ways is through teaching. When you're taught words of truth by the Holy Spirit, that's the gift of prophecy at work. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Romans chapter 12, as he begins his message, The Gifts of the Holy Spirit. we're talking about Christian basics and we began last week on the topic of the Holy Spirit. We talked about who he is, not what he is. He's the third person of the Godhead. As a person, he can be grieved. We grieve him when we do things that are knowingly out of God's will. We quench him. He can be quenched when we don't do what he's encouraging us to do. And we put out his fire. We quench the Holy Spirit. And I mentioned a lot of other things, and I mentioned those in other services. I'm just going to move right past them. If you didn't get that message last week, you can go online, and I would encourage you to do that to bring you up to speed on where we are in our study. Here's what I felt led to do, and I trust I've got the Lord's leading on this. Instead of diving right into the gifts of the Holy Spirit, because that's to be our topic today, and we're going to continue it uh, next week. I want to just read a few things and tell you a little bit of some people in history that I hope God will use to be an encouragement uh, for us in regard to this baptism slash filling of the Holy Spirit. Jim Simbola, a good friend of ours now, says in his book, Fresh Power, too much of our religious life is made up of programs and human ideas, talents and strategies. What is missing today is something from heaven itself. I love what I've heard Jim Simmel say in public many times while he's speaking and in just personal conversation. He says, if you can explain it, God's not in it. If you can explain it, God's not in it. D.L. Moody, maybe you recognize that name. In his book, Secret Power, 
quotes an anonymous source, and this is how he opens up his book. And it goes like this, without the soul divinely quickened and inspired, the observances of the grandest ritualism are as worthless as the motions of a galvanized corpse. D.L. Moody, same book, chapter four, entitled Power In and Upon. And here's what he said. D.L. Moody, the Holy Spirit dwelling in us is one thing. And the Holy Spirit upon us for service is another thing. While preaching in 1876 in New York City, what was then the Hippodrome, today it's Madison Square Garden, the Hippodrome was in its day uh, the world's largest theater, seated 5,300 people, and D.L. Moody was preaching there. And in his message, here's what he said, and I quote, God has got a good many children who have just barely got life, but no power for service. The Holy Ghost coming upon them with power is distinct and separate from conversion. A great many think because they have been filled once, they're going to be full for all time after. But oh, my friends, we are leaky vessels and have to be kept right under the fountain all the time in order to be full. Moody had a good friend, another preacher named R.A. Torrey. I don't know. Some of us might recognize that name. R.A. Torrey wrote about Moody and uh, wrote about the secret of why God used D.L. Moody. And the seventh thing he mentions, uh, here's what he says. He had a very definite endowment with power from on high, a very clear and definite baptism with the Holy Ghost. Mr. Moody knew he had the baptism with the Holy Ghost. He had no doubt about it. Tell you how it happened. He used to speak at the YMCA regularly. And there were two free Methodist women that would come and hear Moody preach uh, at the YMCA. And every time they'd come, they'd go to him after the meeting and say, "Uh, Mr. Moody, we want you to know we're praying for you. And he, of course, thanked them. But as they continued to do that, he finally said, well, I want to know, why are you praying for me? And they said, we're praying for you that you get the power. And he said, well, not only pray for me, pray with me. And they began to pray together. And on one of those occasions, one of these young free Methodist women or these ladies said that Moody prayed so fervently, fervently. And it was not long after that, while he was walking up Wall Street in New York City in the midst of the hustle and bustle of New York City, the prayers were answered and the Holy Spirit came upon him. He went to a friend's house and he said, I need to be alone. Do you have a room I can just get in? And Moody went in that room, R.A. Torrey says, in the midst of the hustle and bustle, his prayer was answered as he walked up. And then the Holy Ghost came upon him, filling his soul with such joy that at last he had to ask God, this was in that room, uh, to withhold his hand, lest he die on the spot from very joy. If you're going to die, that's something to die from. What killed him? Joy. (laughs) Right after that, he goes to London. He preaches in London, but it was different. Hundreds of people came to Christ. Power of God working through him. Hundreds were added to the churches in North London. Then he began to be invited other places, and he became this, well, world evangelist that saw thousands and thousands of people come to Christ. R.A. Torrey, same book about Moody. Listen to what he writes. Time and time again, Mr. Moody would come to me and say, Torrey, I want you to preach on the baptism with the Holy Ghost. I don't know how many times he asked me to speak on that subject. And he talked about several instances that I don't have time to read through. He would tell him to preach two sermons. All right, Torrey. Moody would tell Torrey, preach. I want you to preach on 
That message you have, 10 reasons why I believe the Bible is the Word of God. And I want you to preach on the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And he would say again and again, how many times Moody would tell him he wanted him to preach on those two messages. On one occasion, once I asked him, Mr. Moody, don't you think I have any sermons but those two? And here's what Moody said. Don't you think I have any reasons, already Tori said, 10 reasons why I believe the Bible will be the Word of God and the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And Moody said, never mind that. You just give them those two sermons. Once he had some students, D.L. Moody did, that he was over and they didn't believe in what he believed as a second work of grace in the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so he tells R.A. Torrey, would you get those guys together and let's meet with them? And they met together, and they never did see eye to eye. And Torrey writes, and uh, he says, Moody said, they're good teachers, they're wonderful teachers, and I'm so glad to have them here, but why will they not see that the baptism of the Holy Ghost is just the one touch that they themselves need? Charles Finney, I don't know if you know that name also an evangelist in the 19th century. Billy Graham writes about Charles Finney, and I'll quote Billy Graham. Few men have had such a profound impact on their generation as Charles Grandison Finney. Through his spirit-filled evangelistic ministry, uncounted thousands came to know Christ, resulting in one of the greatest periods of revival in the history of America. In the following excerpt, Finney recounts his empowering by the Holy Spirit while alone in his law office after his conversion in the autumn of 18. 21. This is from his memoirs. He says, as I turned and was about to take a seat by the fire, I received a mighty baptism of the Holy Ghost. And then he goes on to describe it. One of the choir members, because he was the choir director at his church at the time, one of his choir members came into his law office, found him in this condition where the Holy Spirit was just all over him. And uh, the elder was so concerned, he went back and got, uh, this guy was concerned, the choir member went back and got one of the elders of the church and brought him in. And um, Finney says, this is a guy who was a very serious man, this elder, and in my presence had been very watchful. And he says, I had scarcely ever seen him laugh. Well, he comes into the room and the Holy Spirit that was affecting Finney affected him and he began to laugh. That rocked my world. A.W. Tozer, maybe you've heard of that name. Here's what he said. If God took the Holy Spirit out of the world, most of what the church is doing would go right on and nobody would know the difference. Charles Spurgeon, the great Baptist preacher. Here's what he said. He said it. Without the Spirit of God, we can do nothing. We are as ships without wind or chariots without steeds. Like branches without sap, we are withered. Like coals without fire, we're useless. I'll give you one more name. Well, maybe a couple. Samuel Chadwick was born in North England in 1860. By the age of 21, he became a pastor of a little chapel at Stacksteads, Lancashire. It was no dream appointment. The congregation was self-satisfied. But Chadwick threw himself in with great optimism. He had been trained to prepare well-researched and interesting sermons as a sure way to bring in the crowds. He recalls later, and I quote, This led unconsciously to a false aim in my work. I lived and labored for my sermons and was unfortunately more concerned about their excellence and reputation than the repentance of the people. Seven years he labored, taught great messages, but there was no real significant fruit to his ministry. 
and he was about to quit. And uh, he heard the testimony of someone who had been revitalized by an experience of the Holy Spirit. So he got together with some friends and they covenanted together to pray until God revitalized them. And in time, God answered that prayer. He says, Samuel Chadwick, I could not explain what had happened, but it was a bigger thing than I had ever known. Next time he got up to speak, give a sermon, he gave an invitation, seven people got saved. More than ever, ever, ever in seven years of ministry. He says it was one soul for every barren year. He called the whole congregation to prayer. Next week, most of that congregation received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And um, it says in the space of a few months, hundreds were converted to Jesus. Among them, some of the most notorious sinners in the area. Uh, Samuel Chadwick wrote a book. It was being printed when he died in 1932. And in the book called The Way to Pentecost, he says, I owe everything to the gift of Pentecost. For 50 days, the facts of the gospel were complete, but no conversions were recorded. Pentecost registered 3,000 souls. It is by fire that a holy passion is kindled in the soul, whereby we live the life of God. The soul's safety is in its heat. Truth without enthusiasm, morality without emotion, ritual without soul, make for a church without power. Destitute of the fire of God, nothing else counts. Possessing fire, nothing else matters. I'll give you a couple more quick ones and then we'll get into some of the gifts. Oswald Chambers in his book about his life called Abandoned to God, he also struggled for years, not only personally as a Christian, but in his ministry with no real significant fruit. And uh, one day, by dog determination, based on Luke 11 and what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit, he says, I just claim by faith uh, everything the Holy Spirit had for me in this baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Oswald Chambers says nothing happened. But the next time he got up to preach, he gave an invitation. Forty people came forward to receive Christ as Savior. It scared him so much he ran out of the meeting. <laughs> it's in his book, Abandoned to God. Jack Deere, just a few years ago, was one of the professors at Dallas Theological Seminary. Now, please understand, I'm not being negative on Dallas Theological Seminary. I have good friends uh, from Dallas Theological Seminary. I have very professors there that I respect highly and tremendous men of God. Jack Deere was a professor there for years, but God rocked his world. He writes in his book, which I read several years ago, Surprised by the Power of the Spirit. And I'll quote, the shift in my thinking was not the result of an experience with any sort of supernatural phenomena. It was a result of a patient and intense study of the scriptures. That's how I came to believe these things. Almost against my will, he says, I now believe that God was healing today and speaking today. I still had a significant revulsion toward the gift of tongues. Even if that gift were for today, I didn't want any part of it. And I did not want any part of what I thought were common abuses in the charismatic or Pentecostal movements. But God has stretched Jack Deere's spiritual envelope. Now, I want to begin talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And they're wonderful. But I want to digress just for a minute in talking about the gifts. Turn with me to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. When you find the place, we're going to go down to verse 4. The gifts I'm about to read, Bill Gothard years ago dubbed these the motivational gifts. And I think that's a good classification for these gifts because I think he's right. Motivational gifts. 
Let's read about them. Verse 4. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying or prophecy, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging or exhortation, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others or giving, let him give generously. If it is leadership or administration, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Now, let me clue you in on something. I hope you'll understand this. Everybody needs to understand. If my primary motivational gift is administration, governing, and it's not, that doesn't mean I'm not to be merciful. Okay? So just having one primary motivation doesn't say, well, because I got that one, I don't have to be this. Okay? I hope everybody knows that. I believe these gifts are unique in this way. Listen to what I'm saying and please understand. I believe these giftings, that's my personal belief, we have control over. One of the gifts that's been confirmed, it still amazes me. Today when I say it to you again, it still amazes me. But people say I have the gift of teaching. I'm amazed at that. I'm amazed. I really am. But that's what people say. Over 30 years of ministry, uh, you have the gift of teaching and teaching the Word of God. Another gift I believe I have is prophesying or prophecy. Now, if you think prophecy is just foretelling future events, no, 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 no. Hang on. We're going to get to that. It's just speaking the truth by the Spirit of God. Every time I teach the Word of God, I'm also prophesying. Okay? If you share the Word of God in truth, you're prophesying. We all have the privilege of prophesying. But before I jump to that, prophesying... It's one gift here that's unique to the second list of gifts uh, we'll see in a minute. You find it in both places, but it's the only one in both places, all right? But let's look at this first. In each one of these seven motivational gifts, if they were represented in a family and somebody just spilled a drink on the table, here's what each one might say. Now, you think about Christians you've known for years, and you may be able to identify a gift or gifts uh, motivationally that they have. I can identify our staff, our pastoral staff that's been with us for years. And I can tell you which one has a particular motivation. All right? If the drink were spilled, the gift of mercy might say, don't feel badly. It could have happened to anybody. That's mercy. And the motivation is to relieve embarrassment. To soothe them. Mercy. Oh, no, you feel bad. You know, mercy. <laughs> now, I don't believe I have that gift. No, I'm, I'm just telling you. I really didn't mean it to be funny, but... Uh, and I don't really take kindly to you laughing at that. It wasn't very merciful. I don't think that's my primary motivation. Now, am I, am I to excuse myself and say, well, I can't be merciful because that's not my motivation. No, I'm to be merciful. But that's not my primary motivation. Listen, here's one of mine. It's prophecy or prophesying. And I might say something like, that's what happens when you're not careful. And some of you guys, every service, I've had people look at me eyeball to eyeball that I've counseled before, some more than one occasion, and they know. They're looking at me going, yep, that's you. Because I'm not going to rub them and make them feel good. They're going to come, and I'm going to say, well, stop. Well, stop doing it. If you stop doing this, then that won't happen. 
get down on your knees and repent. And I just want to correct their life. My wife recognized this a few years ago. She wasn't real happy about it. Imagine growing up in my household, being my kid. But now you understand, children. <laughs> Serving. They might say, oh, let me help you clean it up. And they're going to get in there with their hands and they're going to help serve. Let me help you clean it up. The motivation is to fulfill a need. Somebody with the gift of teaching, this is mine too. That's what they tell me. The reason it spilled was because it wasn't balanced. Audrey, what do I do to try to correct your bad driving? The two times you've driven bad. I tell her, well, you, did, you hit a curb and that's why that thing fell off. Or whatever happened, you know. <laughs> she lost one of her wheel covers. And I said, did you hit a curb? Well, she said, no, not recently. <laughs> I didn't ever ask her, what is recent to you? That in the last 48 hours, discover why it happened. Someone the gift of giving, they just, I'll be happy to buy a new drink. And they're pulling out their wallet. They're going into their purse. And they're just going to buy something. Somebody with the gift of exhortation and encouraging might say something like, next time, please be more careful. But they'll do it in a very encouraging way to correct the future. Somebody with the gift of administration might say, Jim, would you get another rag? Carl, please wipe up the spill. And Bob, could you go grab another drink? And they're directing people. They're directing them. Hey, you do, can you do this? You take care of this. And you, we're going to get the problems off. Achieve the immediate goal. All right? Now, go to a second list of gifts. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. These has been dubbed by Bill Gothard years ago as manifestation gifts. And that's the word the 1984 NIV uses to translate the opening here, verse 7. Verse 7, now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And the common good is what's God's will? What does God want to do? To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom or the word of wisdom. It's the logos of wisdom, the word of wisdom. To another, the message or the word, logos of knowledge, by means of the same spirit. To another, faith, by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healing, by that one spirit. To another, miraculous powers, miracles. To another, prophecy or prophesying. And that's the one, the only one that you find in both lists. I'll tell you why I believe it's in both lists in a minute. To another, distinguishing between spirits or discerning of spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. This is a supernatural tongue. It's not a human language. It's a heavenly language. It's not something you study for. And it's for personal edification. We'll look at that one, I believe, next week along with some of the others. And still to another, the interpretation of tongues. Also a supernatural gift. All these are the work of one and the same spirit. And he gives them to each one just as he determines. Now, we're only going to finish our time today with one gift, and it's the one you find in both the list, prophecy or prophesying. Now, let me give you a big definition of prophecy or prophesying, and this is the correct definition. This is the Greek word here in English. It's a discourse emanating from divine inspiration and declaring the purposes of God, whether by reproving and admonishing the wicked, comforting the afflicted, Revealing things hidden or, or foretelling future events. So it's not just predicting the future. I have a lot of different applications to prophecy or prophesying. I've already mentioned every time I teach the word of God, if I'm teaching the truth, I'm prophesying. Every time you share the word of God in truth, you're prophesying. Go back to the first list in Romans 12. It's there 
because I believe we have control over those gifts. I have control in the sense that if I'm a gifted teacher, it doesn't mean I just stand up here and say, Holy Spirit, just fill me and let me say what you want me to say. No, I got to study. I got to prepare. Nevertheless, it's a gift of the Holy Spirit to be able to teach the Word of God. Are you with me? So we have control in that sense over those motivational gifts. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Living Word with Pastor Danny Hodges as we study Christian basics together. You can hear more teachings like this or more from Pastor Danny by going to our website, ccfstpete.church. Just look under the Resources tab and click on Teachings. We encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel as well. That way you'll be able to stay up to date on the latest teachings and videos. If you're ever in or near the St. Petersburg area, we would love to meet you in person. We invite you to join us for our weekly church services at Calvary Chapel Fellowship. We meet on Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. If you're unable to visit us in person, we also live stream our services. Find out more on our website. Once again, that's ccfstpete.church. As Pastor Danny continues this series, Christian Basics, our prayer is that you're reminded that the fundamental thing you need to know is that Jesus loves you deeply. In a world full of unrest, He is rest. In days filled with hurry, He is still. In years full of uncertainty and despair, He is hope and never changes. The Bible is a great source to remember these truths, and we encourage you to read it daily. It will help guide you to truth and lead you in a way that is everlasting. That's all the time we have for today. Tune in next time to hear more from Pastor Danny right here on The Living Word.